Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Amplified Podcast with us here at Project Zazzy. My name is Lewis, and I am the host of these episodes. And today, it's a, it's a real special one for a number of different reasons. Um, we're joined today by Abdi Razak Hussain. Um, you know by now that I don't introduce the guest, but when when Abdi introduces himself, you kind of really really know why it's a, a special guest for for many reasons for myself today. So I'm really looking forward to jumping into this episode and kind of giving you guys some food for thought and you know hopefully maybe even some laughs and and, and memories uh, across the episode as well. But before we jump into the episode, if you've listened to every episode so far, you know what's coming, yeah. If you haven't checked out Black Bristol, you're on the website, just check the timeline out. It's some of the most important history in the history of Bristol. I would go as far to say some of the most important history in the history of Britain. So, you know, we have audio narrations for you guys. We have things for you to connect with. We have opportunities for you to connect with yourself through history. Check it out and see how you get on. So, yeah, check out Black Bristol, check out the timeline, let us know what you think, and we really, really hope you enjoy this episode today. So, Abdi, do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Um, hi, uh, I'm Abdi Rizak Hussain, I'm 22 years old, I was born in Lokdisha, Somalia, and um, yeah, I moved to Bristol when I was um, nine years old. And that's where I met Lewis at Millpond Primary School, and uh, <laughs> and I've got incredible memories really of me first moving to Bristol. But I'm an aspiring professional footballer. I'm an athlete. Um, I, I aspire to be a lot of things really. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Mm. Yeah. So as you as as you said, we we go we go we go way back, and I think this is going to be a really. Um, <laughs> I'm smiling already. I think like this is going to be a really cool uh, episode just because of I think the growth and just the journey that we've kind of both gone through in in many different aspects. So I'm really looking forward to that and and obviously thank you so much for being here. Um we start off our episodes with a question. Um and that is, you know, what does Bristol mean to you? And 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 you know, you can go as deep as you want with that. You can go as kind of uh, as quick as you want with that. But if I was to say to you, you know, Bristol, what does it mean to you? What would be your answer in that particular um, space? Um, to be honest, Bristol means a lot to me. Mm. I think Bristol is where I've realised my dreams, my hopes, and aspirations in life. Mm. Um. To be honest, Bristol gave me so much um, education, so much um, passion just for general life. And obviously, as a footballer, Bristol really taught me ways that I can influence people in sports. Mm. And I've met the most incredible people on earth in Bristol. And mm. and that, I have to mention that because I, I couldn't have grown as the person I am today mm. without meeting those people. So... When I think about Bristol, I really think about the people. Mm. Um, it's weird because I I still don't know my way around Bristol <laughs> that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm an outgoing person, I just travel for football. So and when people tell me, yeah, yeah, you know Bristol, I'm like, bro, I don't really know Bristol. Yeah, I know, I know the normal end, but I don't know anything else. So when I start researching. I start now going out and seeing Bristol, obviously. I'm learning as well that there's some incredibly beautiful places, mm. obviously, apart from the normal spots people go to. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really kind of... I think that's. I think a lot of people, particularly in the community, will, will, will resonate with that on a deep one because, obviously, you know, uh, my family's obviously from Bristol and, and uh, I... I know the city, but there's certain parts of Bristol where I, it's like a different, like totally different yeah. space for me, you know? Um, and I think that's just normal, really. I think like, I think once you're in, in locations and you're kind of used to spaces in particular uh, areas, it just becomes norm and the habit, right? And it just becomes the, the stomping ground for, for, for lack of a better yeah. term. So that kind of actually leads me on to a question that, you know, uh, I have for you and that you kind of mentioned in when you was introducing yourself was, was your foundations, right? You 
came to Bristol and we met at primary school, which is, you know, uh, a long time ago now for, for us in, in, in many ways. Um, and I just, I just like to maybe talk about that experience. How, what was it like coming from a, a totally different space and kind of interacting with Bristol, I suppose, uh, through primary school and through the people that you met? Like, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, before I came to Bristol, um, I left Somalia in 2005, I remember, just to flee like the small civil war. Mm. Um, I went to Kenya and off the back of like um, those two years before Bristol, like I said, it was the best two years of my life in Kenya. Mm. Like it was when I tell you the weather, the going on safaris for free in school and and seeing these incredible wild animals and mm. and stuff. So when I, I didn't want to leave Kenya, you know, mm. it was mm. like, yeah. I'm not trying to leave this place. It's mm. like the best place on earth as a young kid with no responsibilities, nothing. And then I remember, I remember that, like, I, I remember coming off the escalators in Heathrow Airport and me literally, I didn't know how this shit worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally dropped at the end of the escalator when I'm trying to jump up I'm like shit on my face and everything that night and then we travelled down from London I remember it was so weird it was so cold it was like January times I couldn't feel my fingers nothing Mm -mm. I was just crying I was like take me back home Mm. And and then it was just everything was just weird the gloomy skies no sun it was just like we I've arrived in this dark space Mm. And my first day in Bristol, um, my family made it a lot better. My, I got a lot of cousins. Everyone's come over to the house, everything. Luckily, the house was just opposite Eastfield Park. Mm. So I saw a green space that I was used to, low-key. And then I was like, wow, this is amazing. Then I woke up to the reality of um, really <laughs> my the reality of like, this is, a, I'm in a different space now. Like, mm. this is all different. Mm. Um, and as a young kid, you know, you leave all your fr- um, friends and everything and then you think, oh, am I going to have new friends and everything mm. and this. And I think primary school was, for me, I speak a lot, although I didn't have a lot of English. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. tried to interact with people, so through sport, through football, so break time. I was straight into it. I'm like, I'm playing football. Mm. I see a ball, I'm chasing that ball, you know what I mean? And, mm. and that's probably where I met you, you know, and stuff. And I'm like, some of my lifelong friends that I still have now. Yeah. And yeah, my first impression of Bristol was just dark and gloomy. Just, I, It's just the British weather, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But then after, I think, I've been primary school, oh man, I literally, it made it, made it it made me feel like I was home already because, like, I remember in primary school, my last year, I, um, my friend, my very, very good friend, Ehab, he told me, and do I want to join a football team? Mm. I didn't know how fo- fo- football teams work because in, in Africa, you don't really play for football teams. Mm. You just play around with your friends. Yeah. And then I remember, I was like, I don't have boots. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, mm. but I have nothing. <laughs> I have no sort of nothing. He's like, nah, don't worry, just turn up. Mm. And then that's how I got into my first ever like football, organized football, yeah. football team. And that's off primary school, Mill Pond Primary School, you know. Mm. And, I, and like I said, I have lifelong friends that I'll, I love them so much yeah. still from that day. Mm. 100%. Um, I, I, I actually remember that, um, you know, kind of on topic but off topic, I actually remember um, that moment when you joined the, that a, a team uh, the, the the school team and it was just like it, it was almost like having we, we were trying for so long I actually remember this it's kind of coming back like we, we tried for like at least a year <laughs> and we was like fam why's this guy not playing with us like I just don't get it like he's not coming to the team and um I remember because it was a I don't know I don't know I might be getting my memories mixed up but you know it was a I think it was a tournament right it was like a tournament at, at, at City Academy or something like that and um oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and and do you know the only reason i remember that is because uh <laughs> 
the ma- yeah, kit man, Joe. If you what, if you ever listen to this episode, yeah, why was you giving man what? the tightest kit on on the team, bruv? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, yeah, I'm looking back at these photos now, two twos. I'm like, blood. I was, I know I was a big you, yeah, but this brother's giving me the extra small thing. I just know it. So if you're listening to this, Joe, yeah. I just know I remember that. Um, <laughs> but, nah, I do actually do remember that process. Uh, and and uh, it's really weird because obviously you're telling your story and I, I'm actually involved in this and I can, I can, I can place myself in your, your, your story, which is really quite, quite surreal for me, to be honest with you. And I think it kind of leads on again to your, to the next part of the journey, which was, which was obviously we went to the same high school as well. Right. So <laughs> we went to the same high school and, um, and you know things changed again and um you know we we were still uh, close but you take different paths in in high school and, and you meet different people and friends but you know it's amazing that we've kind of kept like within the same spaces for literally uh, all, all of all of our lives right and the only reason i'm saying this for, for the listeners as well is you know uh, Bristol is a big place, but it's also a very small place where you probably know of somebody through somebody else and you kind of know and connect with them yeah. and they know about you, you know about them, vice versa. So to actually be connected like personally with somebody for a long time, it's, it's, it's quite surreal, but also not surprising in that sense. So football has always been a passion for you. And you said, you know, you, you're yeah. an aspiring professional. I see personally the work that you put in on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I've said to you many times, it's, it's, it's inspiring to see um, because I think, you know, I have I have friends that work hard and continually push themselves. Um, but, you know, it, there's there's a certain level of, of like, res- like respect and, uh, and consistency for those that do it regardless of situation and circumstances. Like for, for you, I can say you're one of the few people that continually works regardless of the situation. Oh, wow. And uh, I think, I think you, do you want to touch on that? Where does that come from? Because I think young people listening to this in particular, there's a lot of young men that I work with personally that want to get into the space of sports, want to get to that next level. Like what, what does that, what does that, what does that work ethic look like? And, and where think, did you get it from? Um, I think the drive, I think it comes from my mum really, because my mum works so hard in every aspect of life, mm. you know, um, and as a young kid seeing what she, what she dealt with and what she still deal with till this day, mm. I think, um, and she taught us in a way of just just work as hard as possible. Like with hard work, like you can do anything. Mm. If you if you work harder than the person next to you, you will become more successful than that person. Mm. So even if that person is working the hardest they can possibly can, try to work harder. Mm. So I think when it comes when it comes to that, I think um, hard work is is something I really take pride in and. And just developing the mental mindset of of becoming the best, not in an arrogant way, like never. Best meaning that I get to do my best. You know what I mean? My best is different to the world's best. So when I always say to my friends, I want to become the best player in the world. I want to become the best at this. And then I follow up and just making them understand mm. by the best, I mean my best. I set expectations for myself mm. and I achieve it. And I think from a young age, um, I've done that. Mm. Um, and yeah, even from school, even from in, in Milpon Primary School playing, I remember I just wanted to do my best. And seeing you and the other guys in the team, I was like, oh, I want to become better than him. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> and it just carried on to um, our um, secondary school as well. It's mm. just adversity doesn't really, I don't really regret things. It doesn't really seem to phase me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a. It's so important what you've said in many different ways, and we can maybe unpack that a little bit as well. Because like, being the best version of you is something that I talk to my young people about a lot. Um, in my in my sort of like um sessions, and one of the things that I like to say is, and I think I said this. I might have said this in in the, the podcast with Chloe was, like one of the things we're really really 
key on the work that we do is we say to young people, act like the greatness you are. That doesn't mean that you need to uh, strive to be the best in your, you know, field and become the best in that particular space what that means is act like the greatness you are because you're all great and you're waiting to achieve that greatness and that means becoming the best version of yourself that means pushing yourself and becoming that best version of yourself because in order to become the best in any other field you know or or to be seen as one of the best you have to conquer yourself first that that's that that first hurdle and I think you know specific especially as um you know black people in the space too there is a lot of that uh look into that person and being like i want to be like that person but then recognizing at yeah. some point this person's got it a little bit easier than me in terms of sure. opportunity and, and structure and that means that the default then is to put the work in to make sure you level that as, as closely as, as possible and i think that's something that i have seen with you you know because I gotta say thank you because you made me sound like I was a big baller in primary school. I wasn't. Maybe for maybe for a little time. I think you know, um, but I think you know, there there was a consistency from early with you that was really something that I picked up on and continue to pick up on. I think, and uh, you know, for a lot of the young guys and, you know, um, girls uh, and people that are listening to this, that are in sports that want to take themselves to that next level. It's that consistency that really matters. It's that consistency right. of, of showing up every day uh, to some capacity. And, you know, it doesn't even need to be about sports, right? It can just be about anything yeah. that you do in life. If it's something that you are passionate about, show up every day put something in it doesn't have to be much as long as you're continually working towards that goal and that vision that's something that uh really does over time amount to something special yeah, yeah so, that's so, right yeah yeah so so i think yeah i think um like there's times in just to touch up on that mm. guys honestly um when I used to listen to your uh, pinpoint academia, um, I had, I'm not sure if you actually know this. Um, mm. <laughs> I used to follow the Instagram page, mm. and then I was I was in Australia, just just moving forward past it. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So just um, I realised where you, you, there's sometimes you're in a tunnel and you can't see the end of the tunnel, mm. but you just have to keep working. Mm. You just have to keep chopping it, chopping mm. it. Like, there's days, bro, I'm telling you, 40 degree heat where I'd be training outside by myself and people chilling in the sun would be like, why is that guy running, like, shuttles? Like, what yeah. is he doing? And I couldn't see the end of the tunnel. I couldn't see if me gaining a contract from this, me mm. doing something at the end of it. There wasn't literally something I could look forward to. Mm. Yet, I'm still doing it and doing it. And I think that's just what you touched on is the consistency and mm. more a passion as well so i just wanted to say that no thank you i you know i i appreciate that as well you know i think um i think it's it, it's very true what you say i think when it comes to goals sometimes particularly and I, again to make this um something that i think a lot of people can relate to particularly as as black people in spaces whether that's higher education whether that's sports whether that's creatively you can't see that end of the tunnel because it seems like everywhere you turn there's that op- there's um there's a barrier yeah. there's some there's some other obstacle to climb there's some other person that's jumped the line where you know you've been working for yeah. a spare amount of time and then my man comes and just laps you and you're just like you're, you're not even walking in the same line he's got the he's got the ferrari to zoom past everybody and you're just like okay keep working keep grinding and i think that's a really really important um, point to touch on and I think you know there was a point uh, for a lot of us recently where it was and you have been speaking um, politically and in, in, in terms of uh, from an activist point of view for a while right but I think there was a point for all of us this year where we couldn't separate our professional aspects uh, or, or our professional yeah. or lives from the personal because of what was kind of happening um in america in the uk uh everywhere it seemed like there was this huge resurgence obviously of the black lives matter movement and then it seemed like the personal professional became one and yeah yeah, and for you i think you know it it's really clear 
with some of the things that you know you're doing and, and some of the things that you're advocating for so I don't know if you want to touch on that like I said to Harvey in, in the last episode right there's always a switch for activists where it's like I can't no longer just sit and watch this and have my opinions I've got to speak about this and talk and I've got to put something out yeah. there so what was that switch like for you if you don't mind touching on that um, first I want to say I get emotional when I'm talking about of course. just what black people go through and what we went through just all our lives. Of course. Um, the, the turning point or the, the, the switch, I think it, it wasn't George Floyd. I think he was um, Ahmaud Aubrey. Um, yeah. He was jogging yeah. and, you know, he was lynched by these um, two white supremacists, a son and a father mm. on his jog, you know. Yeah. And, was, and obviously, as a sports person, as a runner, I remember during those times, I was doing my 5Ks as well. I was setting times on my 5Ks, mm. setting polls on my Instagram. People were like, yeah, you can beat the 5K. And then when, yeah. when I saw the news of a man jogging and then getting killed, and um, I was like, bro, this, this is unbelievable. I was just in total shock the mm. whole night. I was like, I was, it was something new to me. Yeah. Like... I didn't know whether how to process this like thing, and I didn't. I wanted to do something, mm. yet I felt so powerless. Um, I wanted to speak. I wanted to shout. I wanted. I wanted to do just anything. I felt so restricted, and and I've never really been depressed in my life. Yeah. But I swear to you that couple of days after Ahmad Aubrey, I was just in. I was just in a state I've never been in. I was like, mm. it's just a whole new thing, and then. I started sharing my opinions and just speaking it out on Instagram, just typing and posting, 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 trying to get my friends to see what's going on, the injustices we've been going through. Mm -hmm. And I think the turning point was um, the death of Ahmad Aubrey because that hit me really hard. Um, you know, he was a young guy, and just you know, like us as well, and you know, he looked like us. So mm -hmm. that's probably the turning point and the switch that. Yeah. And I have to agree with you there. Um, I think that was the one that personally for me as well uh, was kind of like, because I think the thing with social media as well is it's great. You can you become aware of this stuff and you can see what's going on. But when you're actually watching the video of it, for example, and it's just like, it left me for months, to be honest with you, like it just, you can't get that away. You can't, you can't get rid of that, that what you've seen and, I think watching black people in particular get, you know, uh, murdered or uh, experience violence yeah. has become so normalised now that people are just like, oh, okay. But, like, it's that's not normal. Like, and it, it, like you said, it left a huge impact on, on a lot of us in that community that was just kind of like, you know, we need to do something about this. This is something that's, you know, bigger than anything that we're currently doing. If this is happening right now, we need to do something. Yeah. And, you know, you said something about, shouting and wanting to shout there's this like iconic photo of you taken by um Callie right shout out shout out Callie because like yeah. like I think like the like some of the best photos I've seen like ever in terms of like movements and wow. protests but like your that photo of you um shouting in front of I think it, is, it was still called the Colston Tower right at the time and you're shouting yeah. off the on the, I think you might have been on the plinth or you stood up on something. It's just like Yeah. It's a it's a it's a chilling photo, right? Because like what that represents in Bristol in terms of colonialism, slavery and white supremacy, and then there's you stood on there shouting oh, wow. your sort of voice. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's just I just remember thinking yeah. like this is it's just it's just crazy and like I think that was one of the, the, the moments when I started to realise for you where it was like, yeah, this is something that was a long, a long time building. And it was almost yeah. like the, the change for you. And I, I mean that because obviously I know you've been doing this for a while, but it was the change when you was like, nah, like this is what it is now. Say it with chest, yeah. put it out there loud. And then from that point onwards, you've all, you've been at, you know, every single protest, I think. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Every single yeah. protest. And I mean, I haven't been to every single protest. Most people that I work with haven't been to every single protest. So 
that commitment to the movement is not only admirable, it's something that I think a lot of young people listening to this, who are sports people, because I've had conversations with sports people, athletes, people in academies, they think that they can't speak on things that are political because it will mess their chances of success. Do you have anything to say to that? Yeah. I think um, this, is some, this is a subject I'm really um, very straightforward with mm. because, like you said, you're, you're a close friend of mine. You can see my intentions and, and, and it's just me building up, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the moment where Kali took the photo. I think um, that moment, first of all, was honestly, um, I, there's not a lot of words. I can't really describe whenever I talk about it because mm-hmm. I never wanted to go on that. Yeah. Where Colston statue was that mm-hmm. You know, I never, that was not my intention to speak or whatever. And as I got closer, I had a huge roar and a statue getting dashed off the place. I'm yeah. like, what? That's the closest statue. Yeah. No, no. So I'm shoving people out of the way. I'm like, let me get, let me get closer. Look, <laughs> I get there. And then I asked this girl for the um, megaphone, innit? She's mm. like, oh no, coronavirus and that. I was like, you know what? I don't care. So I got my man to help me up. Some guy that was already on there, innit? I'm mm. like, he helped me up. And then I just, for a moment, I just saw so many people. I'm like, yeah. okay, what the hell am I doing up here? Mm. <laughs> I said, what am I doing up here? And then, I don't know what it was. And then just, I just remembered all the trauma I went through as a kid, you know, playing football in mm. these racist ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just everything just built up. And I was just, I just started shouting, bro. And mm. Honestly, I was watching the videos back. It's so cringe because <laughs> I'm shouting, my literally from the bottom of my lungs, just mm. say, saying, saying some beautiful stuff. And, and just, it was, it was a moment that I needed in my life, mm. especially during those times you know yeah. like you said earlier sometimes shouting is like it's re- relieving you know mm. what I mean so yeah. I think that's a moment we need I needed especially yeah absolutely and, and I think I think what you're describing is that kind of out of body experience right like there's like certain things that I've done where I can't actually remember me doing it I just watch the video yeah. back and I'm like oh okay like in the moment things just kind of get lost and it is that build-up of frustration. And I think, you know, as black people, your experience of being a black man in Bristol, in England, is totally different to mine. But we're kind of connected on that same field of, yeah. I get where you're coming from, even though I don't fully understand it yeah. because I can't fully understand your experience. We're connected on that field, with that, in that space of, I'm here to support. You need to say what That's you need right, to say yeah. and we're here to hold that space. And I, I think, yeah, that was, you know, such an important yeah. mo- moment and that entire protest, that first protest um, where when it, when it came down was, was, I think, one of the most important moments in the sort of history of, of Bristol. I, I genuinely think that because, yeah. you know, if you... If you want to talk about Colston and the community's been going on for years and years and years about why it needs to be gone, the fact that the community were the people that took it down is just beautiful, man. It's just like one of them, one of them, one of them things where it's just like if you won't do it, like if the government or if the council or if you know the actual people that are in charge of that won't do anything, if they're being too slow, like we'll just take it out. And I think that was just such a an incredible moment. And I think you know. It kind of it kind of moves on to the to the, the the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of like you know you and you you've done a really great series on your Instagram talking about your heroes for Black History Month right and I felt like that was such an important um, project because a lot of people don't like to read right a lot of people don't like to pick up books and read books on particular people or uh, particular movements but they will scroll through Instagram. Yeah. And I think yeah, what was so... they, might, they might find it like long to read books and stuff. Yeah. Know? So Instagram is just short. Yeah, yeah. And I think what was so great about that was it's almost like, okay, so if you don't want to read, like you're on Instagram, here's some education for you. You can scroll through the stories and, and check it out. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's, it was a great project that you did in terms of, you know, bringing some of the most important um, political black figures and, yeah. and, and people into the sort of uh, awareness of m- most of the people that follow you. So do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, I think I think um, uh, it's called my hero and hashtag uh, Black Excellence. I, I've been I've been saying Black Excellence and Black is beautiful. Just but then this year I was like, you know what? Yeah, like I, bro, I'm like 
like this whole six, seven month I've been learning about so many different people mm. and these guys are my heroes. Mm. Like I love them. So I was like, why don't I just do a series of like everyone like every person gets like a full story you know mm. four pages of who they are mm. and just to describe why i look up to them mm. and and really i just wanted to educate like um a couple of people because first it started i just wanted to educate one of my closest friends because um he was like bro who's your heroes i was like bro i've got a lot of heroes mm. like i swear to you i have like a hundred heroes mm. that i love then he was like now nah, who's your hero I was like, bro, I can't pick. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I can't pick. So I, then I asked him, who's you, who's you, like, who are your heroes? And then he started naming footballers, this, that. I was like, man, there's not a black person in there, bro. You're black. Mm. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't look up to someone that's black. You know, someone who looks like he's someone who's gone through the struggles you have. Mm. Someone who stands up for your rights. And then he's like, bro, I'm, I'm not really educated on it. Mm. Then I was like, okay mm. and then honestly i remember doing muhammad ali first and then i was like this month i'm just gonna do i'm just gonna do this mm. just to educate my friend mm. and then whoever whoever else is on board you know mm. what i mean so yeah, yeah, yeah. i think it's an important way it's an important way to educate like young people like mm. I, I have a lot of young followers you know because of football and stuff they always ask me you know about this and that so i thought they follow me they view my stories mm. let me let me tell these guys some of the amazing people like Serena Williams and mm. some of these amazing people that they might not know yeah. and just even if they read it then like, they'll remember it mm. because like some you, you're not going to forget like a full story and mm. I, I make it fun as well yeah. I, I dash quotes in there and something they can relate to mm. so it was it was just for my friend and yeah. then it just expanded into you know me just willing to educate just young people in general in Bristol mm. Mm. Absolutely. And I think you've touched on something super important there, man, because like a lot of the community that kind of obviously are black people, they don't have a lot of awareness sometimes of the excellence that they come from because the education system will talk like I was I was in a, a school the other week. Right. And I was um, talking to a young person that oh, I got an exam. I got to leave early. I was like, oh, cool. Bro. I said, what exam have you got? He said, our history. I said, ah, interesting. I said, what are you learning about? He said, ah, um, Nazi Germany, um, uh, uh, ancient British history. And I was like, hmm, okay, interesting. I said, what do you know about black history or, or Asian history? He's like, not much still. I said, okay. I said, well, we're going to we're gonna do some, some work on that because it's important, you know, that we know about the figures that, you know, have, have changed our existence uh, as black people. For me, that's always been Malcolm X. Malcolm X was the first person I ever kind of seriously um, learned about and, and studied. And I remember when I was younger, people used to say to me, oh, Malcolm X was a terrorist. Malcolm X was, you know, an extremist. And I was always, always a bit like, oh, it's a bit of a problematic figure. And then I started reading Malcolm X's work and I was like, what's, what's extremist about this? What's, you know what I'm saying? The guy had so yeah. many intelligent points, you know, about kind of, you know, uh, I suppose liberation and, and, and ideas about um, race and racism. He was continually evolving them points. Of course, let me just clarify that for the listeners. There were some quotes and ideas in early Malcolm X's life that could be classed as extremist. But I think when we're, t- we're teaching young people about Malcolm X, we also need to understand that Malcolm X was always changing his viewpoints and ideas and he would always... As he was learning. As he was learning. And, you know, as when he came back from Africa his whole approach changed to everything and the the aggressive the the aggressive Malcolm never left but the aggressive Malcolm came back from Africa with this point of view that was a lot more accommodating and respecting of all different types of people and how they can help his movement and help the movement of um you know black people in America so you know it's just the education system in Britain I feel or in just west in general that paints the the, the specific picture of Malcolm X as this kind of, you know, extremist thinker, but really you need to read the books on him because he is, he, he changed his opinions. He corrected some of his thought processes and he was constantly evolving before he was tragically murdered, you know, um, at a super young age. But, you know, again, like I couldn't tell you about that stuff three years ago because yeah. it was just not something that I really engaged with to that extent but I think as you say like things happen around us that make us engage with the stuff uh and really 
learn about ourselves through history and, and for me it's been the most enjoyable process learning about black history like it's been the best thing ever because yeah. I, I know myself better now through the history because yeah. you know you often get the people that will kind of say oh well they'll, they'll throw some historical fact and figure at you and now it's like well no that's not true because da 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 have you heard of yeah. da da it gives you strength in your in your in your space um and I think for the young people listening to this again, don't be afraid to delve into that history. You're all you're all from greatness, and I think, you know, just because you're an athlete, just because you want to make it in sports, doesn't mean you can't have a political voice. Look at LeBron James, for example. Like recently, yeah. off the top of my head, um, you know, the best basketball player in the world, arguably of all time. If you look at like some of the the numbers, which are just ridiculous anyway, but not afraid to feed, you know, the the imagination of young people and talk about things that are important. Uh, I think that's you know really, um, it's a, it's an example of being able to speak out. Raheem Sterling, um, you know Marcus Rashford, these are people that exist right now that are age mostly. Rashford's our age, which is oh, madness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, I just think a bit of a rant there, but I think you know it's it's really important. You know, if if I was if I was ever good enough uh, to hit those pro levels of sport. Um, <laughs> I would have been the guy that would have probably spoken. Uh, I forgot to even mention Colin Kaepernick. In, in like, I would have been one of them because I feel like that's the way you've got to go. And I think yeah. now I'm older, well, I realize what uh, what Colin Kaepernick did in particular. I'm just like, go wow. greatest. Like, they yeah. just what <laughs> like that the level to do that at that point in history as well was just crazy. Um, so I think. Yeah, it, it comes with understanding history and understanding yourself in that space. But I've gone on a rant. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think that, like when it comes to activism and sports, it's always been a clash. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm in the same journey as you. I'm trying to learn every night. I'm trying to watch videos mm. of Fannie Lou Hamer and mm. just random like black people that are so great. But I didn't know. Obviously, I wasn't in school and whatnot and activism and sports have always been a bit like uh, like because you think about it the, the most of the audience are white people in it so yep. especially if you look at places like america it's like 80 percent of them are white and stuff mm. and they they want the black man to entertain them and shit mm-hmm. and you know and but if you go way back from the muhammad ali days where they, they love him as a boxer oh my god he's mm. the greatest and then when he starts saying oh i love my people and i'm not trying to do this and that and then they're like oh no you can't do that mm. america's so great you can't have this guy doing that and and i think it, what young people listening to this have to understand is that your value and your and your really doesn't decrease because because you're speaking out just because you're making people uncomfortable mm. doesn't doesn't mean that you're doing wrong because mm. i'm not gonna lie to you um like 2018 2017 when i started touching up on things i was made like very very uncomfortable um in my football circle you know because um it feels like I was I was low key weird. <laughs> like, mm. why is this guy doing this all of a sudden? Like, mm. bro, it's all because of the love for my people. And like you said, once you start learning, oh my, there's a fire that grows inside you that, like, you really relate to our, you relate to our ancestors. You know, we're all as you say, we're all connected, bro. Mm. So there's this fire. That I'm like, I just can't like, I just can't be stopped. Mm. And like you said. If you were a pro footballer or if I'm a pro bro, exactly the same, I'll be unapologetic. Mm. Why? Because I love my people. Mm. Because I've researched, because I've learned mm. and researched on the hardships we have gone through. And young people listening to this, you have to understand that you're going to make so many people uncomfortable. Yeah. Like right now, bro, I'm, I don't even have a platform and whatnot and I have made people uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially... Um, I wanted to touch on like my Australian family. Sure. My first year, I lived with three months. Uh, the first three months, I lived with a white family, just yeah. Australian. Yeah. And even to this day, they were the nicest people on earth to me. Like I'm mm. telling you, these mm. guys were feeding me halal food, Amazing. going out of their way to cook for me, everything. Mm. But then I'd, I'd I'd see like Hindus and, and little little things that really made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously I'm living in their space. 
They're yeah. comfortable in their team. They've lived there for however mm. long. And then one time, Serena Williams was playing. And you know how much I love Serena Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm dashing on the Australian over watching her. And then I'd hear remarks like, oh, man, look at the way she looks. She's so aggressive. Like, oh, why is she shouting that? Oh, yeah. So then one, one lady was like, oh, yeah, look at that. I feel sorry for that, uh, for that girl. And that's playing her. And I looked at the girl. Obviously, the white girl in it. And then I was like, and then I realised at that time, I'm like, what? Mm. I looked at my friend, um, Charlie. And then Charlie was like, that's anything. Because <laughs> mm. you know, I'm about to blow up. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, you know what, yeah. Let me, let me keep calm in it. Let me keep calm. Mm. And then, and then after everything, just ignore whatnot. And then this year, once the riots and stuff were happening in, um, in America and stuff, and I, I obviously I was posting, posting. They follow me on my Facebook and whatnot, and they started commenting on my Facebook. And I, I do we miss you, but you shouldn't be posting this stuff. I was like, what? Like, bro, I'm just posting about how I love myself, how I love my people, and how my people are oppressed by mm. the white man and everything. And then they're just posting it. And then I was, and my my friends were messaging me saying, Andy, who's commenting on your pictures? Because I, I tell people not to comment on my pictures if it's something mad, in it? Yeah. And, and then I, I call them, I'm like, bro, don't say anything, please. I'm like, I love these guys. <laughs> like, mm. they're, they're nice people, don't say anything. And then as the, as the weeks went on, I lost patience. Yeah. Because I realised these men support Donald Trump. Mm. They love Boris Johnson. They don't even... They're in Australia. Mm. Yet they love Boris Johnson and the Conservatives and whatnot. And then I was like, I need to get these people out of my life. Like, mm. ASAP. Mm. And I say that because as an athlete and as a, as a person they've looked after, and you could still do that. You know, you have the power. It's your life. So for the young people thinking, oh, but... This guy's in my life. Um, if I'd say that, I might upset them. Or like, you have the power. It's your life. It's only gonna get better if you get people like that out of it. Yeah. Trust me, I was sad, fam. I was like, fuck it out. Like mm. these men are really, really nice. Like mm. they've done so much for me. But at the end of the day, we progress. We move on. I'm trying to be a better person. Mm. And then, really, me opening that page in this next chapter, and then realizing, being with it, I'm mm. like, I. Right, Link up, bro. I'm not trying to have you in my life. So mm. I'm like, that's the point that the young people should really understand. Like, how, however much you make people uncomfortable or people don't agree with you, think about yourself first. Mm. If you think about yourself first. I think things will get a lot easier for you. Mm. That's it's, it's such an important point, and I think uh, credit to you as well for showing even still you know, showing such grace and, uh, you know, humility and, and, and compassion towards, you know, those people that have obviously upset you and obviously, uh, you know, uh, you know, impacted you in terms of how they were acting. And I think that's a really sort of commendable trait, man. I, honestly, I think that's a, such a, a, a beautiful um, way to handle a situation. And absolutely, you know, there, there's been people in my life that I've had to just not even explain I'm the other end of the spectrum. You'll just wake up one day and you're blocked. It's just like, there's no, there's no message. There's no, oh, I really offend. It's just blocked. Like, um, and you know, that's, that's the kind of the way, uh, you know, you deal with that. And for me at that time, I was coming into a space is actually saying for the first time in my life, like, yeah, I'm black. Like for, for, for years, you know, through school, through college, uh, through not not from, not so much through college, but from school, like it was almost like, why are you speaking like that? Why are you acting like that? You're white. You're white. You're white. And I was just like, I'm not. But the, the minute I started talking about my blackness and the the way people would respond to that, or people would kind of indirect elsewhere, just block it. I ain't got time for that. It really, truthfully, like, it, I think once you understand and accept your identity. And you know what you are, and you know where you come from, and you know how you feel inside of yourself. You, it makes it easier to just lock people off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like if you if you can't serve, yeah. if you can't see me for what I see myself as, you don't need to be here. You need to be out of the space. Um, and I think yeah, it's such a such an important point. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, just to to wrap up, I suppose, and uh, you know, I've. I've started asking this question because obviously we are Bristolians uh, uh, and we live in Bristol um, and all the stuff that's kind of going on in Bristol and stuff like what 
do you think Bristol needs to do to improve its 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 space for people like us and, and, and you know not just for people like us but you know people in the the Asian community the Eastern European community just basically people who aren't white <laughs> like what does Bristol need to do in that space do you think I think um, honestly I think we need to stick with it because mm. right now we're we're progressing rapidly mm-hmm. well I say that because like I've lived in Bristol nearly all my life in it so mm-hmm. what I've seen yeah. From the, my past, I don't know, 20, 20 years of my life and what I'm seeing in this year alone, mm-hmm. like we're progressing. Yeah. People need to understand the protests, they're working, they're educating people. Mm-hmm. The, the podcast, they're educating people. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that you, we do, it's working. So we need to stick with it. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think that we need to stick with it, but we need to become not aggressive about it. But obviously, we need to get more people involved, more people to learn, and you know, and really directly involve certain communities in it. Because I know, as a Somali, as a Somali kid, you know, being from Somalia, I think even some Somali people don't even, they don't think they're black. They're like, bro, we're Arab, mm. and it's very, very confusing because, bro. I'm black. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. I came from Africa. Look at my ancestors. Mm. Like, bro, we're black. Mm. We ain't no Arabs. Mm. And then the thing is, not to obviously, not because I don't want to be an Arab, but I think when they say we're not black, what I realized is they don't mean it like we're uh, we're Arab. Like, uh, just not to be disrespectful. They don't mean it like they mean it like like bro, we're not black. Mm. Like, I've that's the way they've come across to me, anyways. Mm. You know and and I think we need to target certain communities where we can't, if we're progressing, we need to bring everyone involved. Yes. And that's something like I took upon myself because honestly, like from the work you post and the all, all Black Lives Bristol and, and everything, I tried to take it into my community because most of my followers are Somali, you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. So, and I've had, I've had disagreements even with my brother and stuff. So like, but, we need to take this work that we're progressing rapidly, which is incredibly beautiful, mm. into certain communities, certain areas, because if we're trying to progress, we're not trying to leave anyone behind. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Because mm. I think that's the some mistakes that the um, the generations before us have made. Yeah, I think that's a it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful way to end this, and I think bringing everyone with us is I think you know I think. I, I've shouted out All Black Lives Bristol. If I haven't, I need to put an honourable shout out to to those guys again because I don't think, I don't think we're appreciating how much they've done in such a short space of time. Yeah. If it wasn't for that first protest that five young people from Bristol decided to put together and decided to like march and decided to raise awareness, that statue would still be standing we would still be going about our normal lives in Bristol. And I say normal in inverted commas, um, you know, just watching Colston and Colston Tower and Colston Girls School. These things would just still be normal. But what this has done in the, the time, not even a year, like six six months at the time of recording, is insane. And I think we need, I've, honestly, I've, I've, I've said it in different spaces, but honourable shout out to you guys because you're accelerating conversations that have been had in Bristol but have always fallen on sort of deaf ears but now you've got the community riled up now you've got the community ready to act and community sharing and holding our political establishments accountable and our organizations accountable our education systems about accountable it's just they're the lifeblood of this particular movement and I don't I think that's something that we really need to kind of honor and, and again just honorable shout out to you guys man but bro Honestly, this has been a really like amazing conversation for a number of different reasons. Um, you know, we we know each other and we spoke. We you know we speak. You know, fairly frequently. But I feel like there's so much that you're doing that is impactful and useful to the youth that are in sports. Not just in sports. I think your general approach to things is something that can really be useful to those listening. Um, and, you know, you're still young. And I think, you know, we, we look at people in Bristol and we think, ah, oh, he's, he's only young or she's only young or they're only young. But like, 
the things that you're talking about in here is something that I feel like organizations need to listen to and just kind of, you know, yeah. unpack a little bit. And, 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 you know, I just want to thank you for your time so much. And I just want to, you uh, know, thank you. <laughs> and I just want to, I just want to, you know, honor you for kind of the, the work that you're doing and the work you'll continue to do. And like I said, like, I wish you all the best in all aspects, whether it's politically, professionally, athletically, I'm sure, you know, you, you're going to do great things. Man, you too. Yo, Liz, I'm telling you, bro. I want to say this because obviously, <laughs> bro, you're my hero, man. I swear to you, you don't understand. From even not me messaging you, just know that I, when you do, like from Pimpon Academia, I mentioned that because that's a really important time of my life where I was, because you obviously, you meant it for the university students, you know what I mean? But oh, I'm not a student. Mm. I took that, you know, the, the, the stuff you were posting and even the mental health side of it mm. to. I have a way of really switching things to my needs because um, that's just how I approach things. So all the good stuff you post, I, I extract it and then I take what I can get from it. And bro, I'm telling you, since 2017 or whatnot, you've been just guiding me, low-key not knowing, low-key not knowing, but guiding me through this incredible journey I've been on till this day, man. So kudos to you, man. You're honestly my hero. And I just wanted to say that because you're someone that with the youth really need to look up to like you're you for me you are hope you know what i mean and i truly mean it in every sense because the stuff you've taught me and you continue to teach me mm. i swear to you it's all because of you like uh, if there's someone that that really i look up to in in life and and is there's a couple of people like i always say you're definitely one of them, man. And thank you so much for everything you do. Even this podcast, I'm continuously learning every day. So thank you so much, bro. Kudos to you. You're about to have me crying on this. You're about to have me crying on my own podcast. <laughs> um, thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that a lot. And, uh, you know, I, like I said to you, I, I don't take it for, um, I don't take it for granted and I, I appreciate it greatly what um you know you're you're um saying and <laughs> yeah I, I do appreciate it thank you um so uh I want to wrap the episode um it's been fantastic talking to you and like I said man I wish you nothing but the best and I, I'm sure we'll have another conversation at some point on this podcast yeah for sure bro <laughs> see you soon <laughs> My bro, I appreciate you coming on. It was a really insightful educational episode and I'm sure that a lot of people can take some of your ideas and some of your um, beliefs into their own life and hopefully change them for the better. So I appreciate you and thank you so much for coming on. Now, if you haven't listened to Amplify before, this is where we plug black businesses doing some great, great work. This week, as requested by Abdi himself, we are talking about Trailville, okay? Trailville is a clothing company doing some incredible streetwear, um, you know, uh, fashion. And, you know, for me, I don't usually rock the streetwear stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I can appreciate it, but for me, it just doesn't look quite right. Man, them know what I'm talking about, especially the close friends, them, yeah? But these ones here, I might have to cop it, you know? I'm looking through the ground and I'm thinking... I'm, I might have to I might have to just invest to impress you know what I'm saying don't let them bars go over your head so if you haven't checked out Trillville make sure you do we've added them into the description of this episode you guys are doing great work continue the great work and I'm sure you will continue to do great great things so check them out support local black businesses support black businesses in general guys and yeah we will see you in the next episode love and guidance